You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 5, Episode 9. Today's episode is with Jimmy Whiteman, who declares himself to be that meditation guy. And you can find that meditation guy on Instagram at that meditation guy. Ready to hear more about Jimmy and his form of meditation? Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 5, Episode 9. Today's episode is with Jimmy Whiteman. He's on Instagram as That Meditation Guy, and he has a website and an approach to meditation that's called Delve Deep. You can find Jimmy's website at Delve Deep, D E L V E D E E P, delvedeep.com. And this episode comes at a time where I'm really becoming aware of just how many people and how many practices exist to help others find peace, inner peace. You know, there are people who go through life chasing uh, goals and chasing aspirations and chasing um, achievements And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there's something deeper that I'm becoming aware of as I practice my meditation, as I practice my yoga, as I read books and articles about this kind of inner peace. Um, And frankly, um, there are a lot of people who are way ahead of me who've, who've started to explore and run down that journey a lot earlier than I have. Now, maybe I've been doing it for a longer time than I give myself credit for, but this this podcast, the Meet Mediocrity podcast, has really spurred me just having spoken to so many people who practice meditation, who practice yoga, who practice different forms of spirituality and ways to kind of find inner peace. Um, that's what made this podcast with Jimmy so special because Jimmy has an approach to meditation that I found really interesting. I've heard of it, or at least I've heard of similar types of meditation. It's a form of um, transcendental meditation. Um, I wouldn't, uh, Jimmy doesn't call it that specifically, and Jimmy says that that is a very specific type of meditation that his takes some lessons from, but doesn't follow specifically. Um, but it but it really calls on a mantra and some and a very specific approach to meditation that calms not just the mind but helps find inner peace. Um, the thing I found Jimmy so inter- the reason I found Jimmy so interesting is he never thought he was going down this trail. He just was hoping to find a way to sleep better <laughs> um, and um, to get out of some bad habits, including drinking, um, to calm himself down and. When he started to explore meditation, he came upon something that really changed his life. So I'm not going to steal Jimmy's story here. I'm going to say without further delay, here's my conversation with that meditation guy, Jimmy Whiteman. So Jimmy, thanks for being with me today. Good to be here. 
I am really excited about having you because you are a meditation teacher and you teach meditation that goes far beyond the traditional uh, focus on your breathing, which is an important first step, but um, you go deeper. And so I'm interested in learning more about meditation and you seem like the perfect person to teach me and my listeners a few things. So Jimmy, before we get into meditation and the types of meditation and some of the benefits uh, um, and potentially non-benefits of meditating, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become a meditation teacher? What was your journey? No problem. Well, in, in the early days, you would have never guessed that this is how it would turn out for me because back in my sort of early 20s, I was more of a um, in the clubs, DJing, partying, drinking, doing all of that stuff. So a million miles away from where I've ended up. But it was that lifestyle of living for the weekends and partying and all the rest of it that over time really took a toll on me. And I ended up with a bit of an insomnia problem and some bouts of depression as well in my 20s. And so I kept finding meditation coming up as a cure for insomnia. So that's where it all started. So I started out by ordering these uh, guided meditation CDs and listening yep. to those. And, you know, one night it might help and one night it wouldn't. <laughs> but I, I kind of thought, okay, well, there's something in this, but I'm not quite getting it. So then I went on to do a mindfulness course, an eight-week mindfulness course, which was really good. It was even better. It gave me some ways to understand my mind and it gave me some ways of understanding how to work with my mind as I went through my day and stuff but it didn't actually cure the insomnia so I was still finding that when I went to sleep it was or when I tried to go to sleep it was all just still a bit too much nothing was quite getting me there you know um I was certainly not panicking as much because the mindfulness helped but I just wasn't having a physical effect so I kept looking for a solution and I ended up finding a teacher who lived near, who, sorry, worked near me where I used to live in Notting Hill. And I went along and it was a four day course. It was two hours a day for four days. And she taught me this different kind of meditation, which she called Vedic meditation. And I must admit, okay, <laughs> at first I was a bit skeptical because I'm more of a science type minded person and I'm just interested in what works. And one day, you know, I found myself in this room with incense burning and this woman singing a song in Sanskrit. And there was a picture of a, an Indian guru on the wall who I didn't know who it was. And it was all very strange, but I thought, well, I've paid my money and it's not refundable. So let's give this a go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, sure enough, after that, when it, after that original bit was done and everything we got into it and what she said was very practical and she explained everything quite well and I just applied this very simple technique and before I knew it it just had this effect this very profound effect of making my mind very still and very calm and after the four days was done the insomnia was pretty much cured and I haven't had that problem since and this is years ago now and so yeah, I just kept doing it over and over again. It was a very simple technique involving a, a mantra, which is a Sanskrit word, two-syllable soothing sound. And it just seemed to almost like it massaged my mind into being calm and relaxed. And that did the same to my body. And so I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. At first, because I didn't want the insomnia to come back, 
but then the results were so profound just the way I was feeling in my life and the way everything was changing that I just kept doing it so for example I used to drink every single night I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic but I was certainly um it was unhealthy the way I used to drink you know excessive amounts and without trying it trying to stop that I just noticed that I was in the evening just not fancying it or if I did open a drink I'd have a bit and think you know I don't think I'll finish that and it was the most bizarre thing because I've been a heavy drinker in fact you know my whole identity was around that (laughs) almost so the way these bad habits started falling off I thought wow this is really special you know I'm not making any effort to do this this is just happening now it turns out that this is a really common thing um, and lots of people say this but of course to me at the time it was just just mind-blowing that this could happen I used to say to my friends you know what it's like it's like taking happy pills without having to take the pills <laughs> so how long, I can't say uh, we, how long did the, 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 the how much time of this did it take of yours every day you know to have an impact great question so all I was doing was 20 minutes twice a day. That was it. 20 minutes in the morning before breakfast, 20 minutes in sometime in the afternoon. So it's not a massive commitment, but it's, but it's big for most people. Yeah. Sure. So you began um, practicing this form of meditation. It had a profound impact on you. Um, t- take me a little bit from uh your your time from student to teacher because you now have a program that you call delve deep um i'd like to understand how you went from kind of this class to this practice to becoming a teacher sure so after a while i think i just was talking about this so much that my friends got sick of hearing it <laughs> and they were just like you should teach this you know and I thought yeah you know I think I could do that and it started at the time I was running an online business and so I had a fair bit of time that I could apply to something else so I started just researching it I started going on retreats um, retreats are very interesting because you you don't just do the meditation on a retreat you learn something called rounding so that combines yoga asanas the postures with breath work and then the meditation and then you can do hours and hours of this you know i might do up to eight hours of this in a day on a retreat so the effect of that really took me from being like oh this is a nice exercise for wellness to being this is completely changing my experience of life and my state of consciousness and as i went to more and more retreats or like one day retreats and things like that or or even keeping up the practice in my life i really started to feel like i just want to share this i want to talk about this with people um so then i went and did a meditation teacher training course now that was really interesting because I didn't just do more of this meditation. It introduced me to lots of different styles. So I can now teach lots of different styles, but I tend to focus on just the one, the one that really seems to have an impact for busy people who have busy lives. But you can bring these other elements in now and again, if you want to play with them and experiment. But so, yeah. Yeah. So let's, so let's, let's, let's kind of pinpoint or, or um, um, 
dive deeper, delve deeper uh, on, on on the types of of meditation because um, Jimmy, let me just just talk about myself. Um, I I meditate, um, but I feel like it's rather elementary. Um, I have learned the benefits of sitting in a peaceful position, focusing on my breath, noticing when thoughts come in my head, identifying what they are, gently putting them aside, getting back to my thoughts. I do that maybe five to 10 minutes a day in the mornings. And then during the day, if something particularly stressful happens, I'm pretty, now I'm pretty adept at drawing on that skill to calm myself down. So I, I don't dwell on stressful things at nearly as long as I used to, but that's it. That's meditation in Mitch's world. Um, and, and part of me feels like, good, it's good that I don't dwell on stressful things or let my shoulders and neck tighten up and you know start breathing heavy. Like I, I can control that. But that's kind of about it. And and people like you always fascinate me because you are getting far more benefits from meditation. So can you tell me a little bit about the different types of meditation and how someone like me can actually become a little bit closer to being someone like you? <laughs> okay. Here's a way to think of it. There are thousands of different types of meditation. So we'd be here all day if we were talking about every single one. But if you look at it from the scientific perspective, you could pick out four sort of types of meditation that are the ones that pretty much always crop up in most of the studies that are done. The first one would be focused attention. So I get the impression that's what you've been trying out by yep. focusing on the breath. The mind wanders and you bring it back to the breath. Yep. So that's a really great practice. That is, is um, training the mind to be able to stay on one object. And one of the benefits of doing that is that you will calm the mind down and you'll get some relaxation and you'll feel some stillness. So it's a really, really great practice. So the second one we could call open monitoring. And that would be where you sit there and you don't really intend to do anything, but you just watch what comes up. So if you, you know, you, if you're hearing some birds outside, you'll recognize that you're hearing that and label it maybe then you'll have a sensation in the arm and you'll recognize that and you'll notice it label it something along those lines you're watching what's happening naturally so, 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 so but, but it's making yourself present you're observing well yeah what's happening in the here and now so it sounds like you're doing a mixture of the two of yeah, those really I think so yeah the fourth one we could say is loving kindness it's quite often studied and that would be where you, you sit in meditation and you visualize somebody. Um, it would usually you would start with somebody close to you, maybe like a family member or something like that. And you would practice sending them feelings of love and compassion and kindness through the use of uh, visualization and affirmation. And affirmation would typically be something like, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be free from harm, something like that. And then you would also imagine them sending you these, these kind sort of um, intentions back. And the result of this is that you will actually grow your ability to be loving and kind and compassionate. And we know that's true because when you look at a brain scan, the center of the brain, which is sort of in charge, so to speak, of those things, 
it actually grows bigger and becomes more active. So quite often when people meet these Buddhist monks who are overflowing with compassion, they've spent years of their lives practicing that as a skill. So that's number three. Okay. <laughs> and then number four, finally, uh, scientifically, it would be called automatic self-transcending. This is the one that I'm teaching. So you use a, there's a few different types of meditation that could fall into this category, but the one I teach you use a, a Sanskrit mantra, this soothing vibrational, vibrational sounding word that for most people will have no meaning. And you hold it in the mind as a thought very gently so that it calms the mind and soothes the mind. And then it takes you into a, a deeper state. That sounds a little mysterious. <laughs> um, so can we, can, we, can we dive deeper on that? So obviously you're not going to give us a course on it in a short podcast, but I'd like to, to understand how focusing on a particular soothing word or mantra um, can have a deeper impact on, on us. Yeah, this is a good point because a lot of people ask the question, well, what's the difference between that and the breath? And so what you have to understand is that it's not the mantra necessarily that's creating the effect. It's the way you use the mantra. So you use the mantra in an effortless way. So you're holding the mantra in the mind in a way that's very, very delicate so that it, the mind itself can focus on this mantra, but not cling to it too tightly. So it's like the mantra charms the mind allows the mind to sort of hang on to it, to let thoughts fall away. But you also hold it so gently that you can also lose the mantra and then find yourself in stillness. And so there, it takes a, a few days to teach it because most people try too hard and they make too much out of it and they try and work to get something. So most of the class is giving them the mantra and then trying to get them to be so delicate with it that they can lose it in this effortless way. So that, that's the mechanism of how it works. Yeah. Is it a, um, is it something that is, this is a naive question potentially for someone like you, but I'll just ask it. Like there are certain times, like when you do um, yoga and at the end of yoga, it's Shavasana when you, when you're, you have stillness and sometimes um the yoga instructor will, will have you, you know, say "Om," or they'll ring a bell or like some sort of cue or, 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 or kind of a, a trigger, if you will, to, to deepen your meditation. I, I don't know how that works. Is there any connection between something like that and, and, and a mantra specifically? Yeah, it's all connected. Om itself is a mantra. So, um mantras will come up in a typical yoga class for sure um the the way that you're using the mantra with the self-transcending meditation is the idea is that the mantra is a thought and so you put the thought in the mind but rather than like trying to keep it there by using focused attention you put it in the mind but then you let it fall away and you keep your awareness on it so that you sort of fall with the mantra is it the same mantra, the same trigger 
every time. And if you if you're practicing this year, month over month, year over year, the process is the same. Yeah, but because you've done it so many times, the mantra becomes kind of interwoven into your consciousness, so that you can you don't have to try so hard. You know, you'll just get used to it. So that after a while, I just sit down and I don't really have to do anything. I just close my eyes and it's all just there and it all just works. I no longer have to try and do something. So it's the same mechanism. It's the same thing, but it does change over time. Yeah. So this just popped in my head. So true story. I, I before COVID, I used to travel a lot for work. Hopefully, I'll get to travel again soon. Um, I used to have a a car service would drive me from my home to the airport, and the car service was a local car service that that most people in my town use. So this is I started using them before Uber was even a thing, and and so I, I always I stuck with them even after Uber became a thing. And I had a favorite driver. I'm not going to name his name. I don't know if he listens to my podcast, but I had a favorite driver because I used to always like to take early morning flights. So the driver who was willing to pick me up at my home at like 4.30 in the morning, this was the same guy. I guess he had a sleeping issue. Anyway, <laughs> he talked about, um, I might say it wrong, but I'll just say it like transcendental meditation and and that he would go to a... He went to a place, a studio of some sort to to learn and practice this. And he used the term mantra. And I remember saying, it sounds mysterious. I don't understand it, but I think it's something like you're saying, yes? Here's the thing. Back in the 1960s, a Indian monk came over from the Himalayas to the West and he started teaching this kind of meditation with the mantra, okay. which he called transcendental deep meditation. Okay. And then at some point the deep was dropped and it was called transcendental meditation. Okay. And then at some point, one of the, some people left that big organization and started taught, teaching it independently. And so, for example, I was taught by somebody who was taught by their dad who was taught by this Maharishi, this Indian um, guru yeah. who came over. So although I've never been to the Transcendental Meditation Organization and I've never been attached to them, the teaching has come out of that stream. Yeah. So it's I the understand. same technique, really. But because I'm not attached to that organization or anything like that, I don't have to follow any specific script or rules. But the effect is the same. The transcending is the same. So this is great. I'm completely intrigued now. Um, <laughs> if I if I wanted to learn this, Jimmy, if I wanted you to teach me how to learn this, how would I go about that? I teach people over Zoom all over the world. So you just sign up on the website and then on a specific day, you turn up 7.30 p.m. It would be UK time, so the middle of the day for you. And... Um, yeah, I just take people through it in a four-step process. The first day is, this is how it works. You know, this is what the mantra is. Um, the second day is, this is how to deal with thoughts and emotions. The next day is, you know, this is how it will change over time and how to handle that. And then finally, the last day, I do a big thing on the science versus the spirituality. And I like to kind of finish by just saying, look, this comes from an ancient tradition and you don't have to believe in any of that. 
but just for fun, let's have a look at what these ancient yogis believed and all, you know, what, what their understanding of the world and the universe and themselves was, and also have a look how that lines up to modern science. So it's only like a 25 minute sort of talk I do, but I feel like that's when I called the, the, website delve deep i wasn't yes. just saying deep meditation i'm saying i'm going to take you a bit deeper as well with the knowledge so right delve deep and it's delvedeep.com is the website yeah jimmy how long um if you're going to do this four-day uh program how long is it each day oh it's 90 minute sessions so it's four 90 oh, minute sessions completely manageable um yeah <laughs> okay so you know I'm totally intrigued. I'm sure a lot of my listeners are too. I've heard a lot of things about the health benefits of of meditation and and this this maybe even a, this deeper meditation potentially having even greater health benefits. They sound frankly a little bit like a sales pitch to me and a little bit too good to be true to me, but I'm a skeptic sometimes. Um, Jimmy, tell me a little bit about the, the health benefits that, that, you know, you talk about and, you know, tell me whether they're too good to be true or not. Yeah. 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 This is a very good point. So what might happen is when you look um, at the studies of what this can do for you, it almost does seem a little bit too good to be true because it, you know, supposedly helps with heart disease but also dementia, osteoporosis, stroke, it brings down your um, chances of having these things quite dramatically. And so if you look at this list of things that this can help with, all, all of these health issues, you think, well, how can that be true? How could this very, very simple technique target dementia, but also target heart disease? But what I found was, it's not that the meditation is actually going after those things in the way that a drug would. What the meditation is doing is it's industrial strength, stress removal. It's taking the stress out of the mind and the body. And by stress, I mean the stress hormones and all of that stuff that you're holding with you being yep. triggered all the time. You're, you're removing all of that stress twice a day. If you do this properly and you stick to it. And so by removing stress out of your life to some degree, as much as you can, what you're doing is you're allowing the body's own inbuilt intelligence to actually have a chance at doing what it does best, which is healing. So you're really just getting things out of the way that are an obstruction to healing. And that's why it affects all of these different areas in the way that it does. So when you see it like that, suddenly it makes sense. It's like how, how exercise can have very profound benefits for all of your different parts of you. It's, it's working in the same or very similar way, just more powerful of the stress removal. This, that, well, that makes perfect sense, actually. Um, are there any negative effects of, of meditation? It seems like it's all good to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> there are some things which you do have to watch out for. So on the course that I teach on the first day, at the very end, after I've given all the nice stuff, I give them a bit of a warning and I say, look, this, since this is industrial strength stress, stress release, you may feel some side effects of that. You can think of it this way. The stress that you're going to release while you do this meditation might have some of the same flavor on the way out 
that it had on the way in. Mm. So if you did take this course and then you found yourself being a bit fatigued or overly emotional, you know, crying at adverts or something like that, or just generally tired or maybe a headache or a bit snappy or something, for the first few days, that would be completely normal because your body is adjusting in the same way it would adjust if you went to the gym and you feel all tired and achy, but you get used to it. Same, the body's going through a transitional period and it might get a little bit worse before it gets better. And that will affect everybody differently because it depends on what you're carrying. If you've done a lot of therapy and yoga, then maybe it won't really hit you. But if you're coming to this without anything like that before, you might, you know, and you have some trauma in your background, you might have a, a rough ride at the beginning. But that's the cool thing about working with a teacher is we know how to handle that. So if you're, if you're a little bit more advanced in your mind and your body connection, you, you might not have as big of an impact. However, question, will it still have the, a profound positive impact on you? I assume the answer is yes. Yes. Some people will take the course and have only positive effects. They'll be completely blissed out. think it's the best thing ever. And that's absolutely fine. It's just because it's working on their consciousness differently to how it's working on somebody else. So that makes perfect sense to me. Um, you know, so I don't know whether they have this in, in England, but in the United States that we have something called the Hallmark Channel. Have you heard of the Hallmark Channel? Is it uh, movies? Like- it's, it's all of these feel-good movies. It's all of these. Yeah, that's movies. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, 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 we tend to watch Hallmark Channel, especially, especially in the winters. We get close to Christmas, and because um, they're always Christmas movies, and they always have happy endings, so you never have to worry. Um, but you talked about crying in adverts. You know, I always, I always know what the season is getting to me when I'm crying in Hallmark movies. So (laughs) uh, for some reason you're talking about, about that over emotional for, for no apparent reason. Uh, What we, in our house getting over emotional over a Hallmark movie is, 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 you know, then you know that you're on a, um, in a particularly vulnerable state. (laughs) So it's good for you to get it out too. So you should probably watch those when you go through it. (laughs) Maybe, you know what that, you know, I knew there was, see, I don't, I don't like movies that have anything other than happy endings because I'm like trying to be entertained and I don't like being entertained by things that put me in in anything less than a a happy mood. So that's why I watch the Hallmark channel. I know at the end of the movie, everyone's going to be happy. The couple's going to get together. Everything's going to end well. Um, So I'm, I'm perhaps uh, a safe person when it comes to those things. Um, But that also gives you a little bit insight into me. Like that's the frame of mind I'd like to be in all the time. Sometimes life doesn't allow that. And that's why I'm really fascinated by, by what you teach. Um, and don't be surprised if after this podcast, uh, I reach out to you to become a student because I'm very fascinated by this. Jimmy, when we were preparing for the podcast, you said um, that you can take me through a little exercise on how to make my mind go quiet in a, in a particular moment. Is that something we could do here on the podcast? Well, yeah, there's a little experiment we can do. Yeah. Okay. Let's try be interesting it. to see if it works for you. So this, this actually isn't the deep meditation I teach. This is right. a mindfulness technique, Okay. but, but yeah, we can try it out. Let's so try yeah, it just out. sit, if you just sit comfortably and um, just in a, in a posture that's relaxing for you. 
and just close your eyes and breathe normally. Just breathe in any way that feels natural. And then take your attention to what you can hear. If somebody's doing this at home, then they might hear sounds around the room, or they might hear sounds outside in the street or some distance away. So just give your attention to that for just a moment. Now, you might also hear your own inner monologue when you do this experiment. And that's just another form of hearing. So take a moment now and listen. But this time, not just around the room and not just outside, but also internally. Is the inner monologue there or is there a song playing that you heard earlier, something like that? Let's take a moment and see what shows up. And if you do hear something, you can label it with the word hear. So if it's a noise outside, you can say hear. And if it's an internal noise, like the ones I just mentioned, same label applies here. Don't bother to label my voice. Just leave that out of it. And then whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. So there's something about turning your attention to the inner monologue and saying, okay, have at it, that seems to turn the volume down on it. Um, I'm not sure if I gave you enough time there because I didn't want too much dead air on your podcast, but that's the experiment that you can try if you, uh, if you want to take control of the inner monologue. It's it's basically giving your inner monologue space to surface and then label it. That's right. It's also recognizing that the inner monologue is a hearing experience rather than hearing in the same way that you might hear the birds outside. Rather than what you normally do is have the inner monologue, which is, you know, thoughts coming up, and then we normally attach to it and enter into a dialogue. But if you create that separation where I'm just going to listen to you but not respond, Suddenly, it seems to vanish. <laughs> that I can completely relate to. I can completely relate to that because it's, you know, it's, and it's really interesting if you're observant enough, you realize there's an inner monologue that you're engaging with. And sometimes it's subconscious, but it exhausts you. 
<laughs> and it comes mm. out in the it comes out in other ways. It comes out in the in the form of like tight tight neck and shoulders or other other ways that stress surfaces. Um, because so this is bringing quite quite clear awareness to it, and and and, and consciously not engaging with it. I can see why that's a very exactly. valuable exercise. So you so, could even take that further. In fact, you you could easily see through thoughts because you realize that most thoughts are a combination of a hearing experience, be it a monologue, um, a seeing experience, sometimes a uh, a visual that jumps into the mind, and then often an emotion, a feeling experience. So you could take a thought and pull it into those three parts, and then suddenly it has no power over you because it was just some experiences coming together and creating something that feels solid when it's completely just empty mental phenomena. So this is great, Jimmy. I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued. So as we started this conversation, I'm going to kind of wrap this up. So we started this conversation, Jimmy, by talking about my personal, well, your journey, but also my experience doing concentration, meditation, and some perhaps some open monitoring. I'd like to take it to the next level. I'd like to kind of take, I'd like to delve deeper. So um, I, I, I'm very interested in this, but, but let's, let's just spend a minute. I want to ask you kind of a final question. Let's say I've got people listening to this who obviously have heard of meditation, but have done virtually nothing with it. I'll give you a great example. My wife, who I love dearly, she's like, meditation is not for me. I can't sit still. It's not my thing. She's never even given it a try. She's not even interested in giving it a try. But let's say she's like, I'm a little intrigued enough to want to give it a try. I'm sure I'm incapable of this or incapable of benefiting from this. Jimmy, I'd like you to give that person, the person who either says it's not for me or I'm, a, I'm intrigued, but not sure I want to commit a lot of time to this. What would your advice be to them? <laughs> well, it's a funny question. I've, you know, I've not given it much thought because I tend to only speak to the people who come and find me. But right. what I would say is that your whole entire experience of life is coming to you through the filter of your senses and through your mind. So if you want to experience a more clear, calm world, you could transform your inner world. You don't really need to change that much outside. Your, if you, an inner change will, will do the job for you. So I, I'm so lucky that I stumbled into this because I didn't really think I was a meditation person myself. I just, I just wanted to sleep better. You know, the next thing I <laughs> found myself on a retreat doing eight hours of meditation. But <laughs> it's just, you know, that it just starts with that small insight. And then it's like, oh, okay, wow. I can feel good. I can experience a deep sense of peace and it isn't that far away and I don't have to go and live in a cave to get it. It's something that I can do anywhere. Perfect. That is great advice. This has been a great conversation. Jimmy, you've not heard the last of me. Um, <laughs> and, but for, for those listeners who want to find you, and I'll put this in the meeting notes, delvedeep.com, or yeah. we can find you on Instagram as well. What's your Instagram handle, Jimmy? Um, it's at that underscore meditation underscore guy. So that meditation guy, if you type that in, you'll find me. Perfect. 
Jimmy, thank you so much. I'm really glad I got to meet you and more to come on this. Great. Yeah, I would love to have you on the course. It'd be fun. Perfect. Thank you. Take care. So there you have it. Look, Jimmy isn't really teaching us a whole new form of meditation on a single podcast episode, but he's opening our minds to different types of meditation. Jimmy mentioned four broad categories of meditation, but he also opened our minds towards what meditation can do for us. The ability to not just focus on the present, but to find, to use certain techniques uh, that Jimmy teaches and delve deep um, to find inner peace and to teach yourself and teach your brain to kind of stay calm in the moment, present and peaceful at, at pretty much all times is really a blessing and something worth exploring. So um, I've been exploring what Jimmy does. I haven't taken his classes yet, but I'm actually thinking of doing that. And it's certainly worth reading more about. You know, when you think back to some of the Meet Mediocrity podcasts we've had, the episodes we've had over the past you know, few seasons, you know, we talked to people who are mediums, people who study human-centric design, people who study different forms of meditation, different forms of um, hypnotists, uh, hypnosis, um, all kinds of techniques, tools, and, and tips for calming the mind, finding peace, and finding a greater purpose and a greater uh, way to live. And it's really struck me, um, I consider myself squarely on the journey now, uh, the journey of, of looking for more than uh, material or measurable successes and really looking for that kind of holistic mind-body connection that so many people have found already or, or are way ahead of me on the journey and who are using a lot of amazing things. You know, we also talked about on the podcast, things like Reiki healing, things like sound healing. There are many, many people who have different techniques to find, to, to discover, explore, and improve one's mind, mindfulness and wellness so that you can live deeper, more meaningful lives. And, and Jimmy seems to have found that with his form of meditation. And um, I encourage all of us to at least investigate a little bit what we can do for ourselves, what resonates with ourselves to take our lives to a new level. So anyway... That's, that's enough of Mitch's preachings for this week. Um, I will say that I have enjoyed this conversation with Jimmy, and I've enjoyed a lot of the conversations lately that have gone into this kind of deeper wellness place. Hope you do too. Um, today was Meet Mediocrity Season 5, Episode 9, so next week, Season 5, Episode 10, will be the 95th. Today was 94. Tomorrow will be, uh, next week will be 95 in terms of our Meet Mediocrity podcast episodes as we continue the march towards number 100. Anyway, um, as always, please continue to stay safe, stay positive, and stay well. And until next week, take care, everyone.